It is day four of Daf Chavav. We are holding the Gemara Daf Chavav Madala five lines up from the bottom of the page at the start of the new Mishnah. We explained yesterday that during the festivals, during Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot, we suspend the rabbinic decree of Tumah, of ritual impurity for Ameya Oretz, for people who are not knowledgeable and particular about the laws of Tumah and Tara. But after the festival, retroactively, that Tumah comes back into force. So the Mishnah deals with that topic. Misha'ava HaRegel, once the festival has passed, Ma'avir in Atara Sa'azara. They remove the temple vessels for the purification of the courtyard because Amaya Oretz were granted a free hand in the courtyard over the festival and therefore the vessels that they touched, that they came into contact with, have to be removed from their places and purified because while during the festival we suspend, as we said, the rabbinic decree of Tumah of ritual impurity for Amaya Oretz, after the festival, retroactively, that Tumah kicks in and the vessels have to be purified. What if the festival passed going into Friday? In other words, the last day of Yom Tov was Thursday, and there's only Friday available before Shabbos. So then, then they would not remove the utensils to purify them on that day, on the Friday, because of the honor of Shabbos. Rashi explains the Kohanim were needed at home on Friday to prepare for Shabbos. And therefore, they didn't have time to purify the utensils of the Beis HaMikdash on that Friday. And therefore, it was deferred. They would leave the utensils, even though they were Tommy, they would leave them there in the Beis HaMikdash. And it seems that the rabbis extended their permit, extended the relaxation of the laws of Tumah, of ritual impurity for Amayoretz, for an extra day. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Aflo chamishi. Even if the last day of Yom Tov was a Wednesday and their first opportunity was to purify the utensils on a Thursday, even then they wouldn't do that. Because the Kohanim are not free on that day either. Now, why are the Kohanim not free on that day either? So the Gemara comments, Tana, it was taught in a price. Rabbi Huda means that the Kohanim are not free of the work they had to do to take out the ashes. All over the festival, the ashes of the offerings that were offered would accumulate on the altar. And it wasn't cleared over the festival. It was considered an honor for the altar to have this pile of ash in the middle. But after Yom Tov, on the next day after Yom Tov, there was a huge task that would occupy a lot of the Kohanim and a lot of time to remove the ash from the altar. And that wouldn't give them any time to purify the utensils. Now, Rabbi Yehuda only says this when the last day of Yom Tov is a Wednesday, and therefore they have to remove the ash on a Thursday. Because, presumably, he says, well, wait a minute, if the Kohanim are going to spend Thursday working on purifying the utensils, then the removal of the ashes can't be done on Thursday. And it can't be done on Friday because the Kohanim are getting ready for Shabbos. So it's going to wait three days. We're going to have the ash piled up on the Mizbech for three whole days, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, before we can remove them on Sunday. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda says, the removal of the ash takes precedence over purifying the vessels, and we remove the ash on the Thursday, and then we purify the utensils on the Sunday. However, if the festival ended earlier in the week, say the festival ended on Tuesday, so then the vessels would be purified immediately the following day on the Wednesday, and then the ash would be removed on the Thursday, and then the Kohanim would be getting ready for Shabbos on the Friday. But where Yom Tov finishes on a Wednesday, Rabbi Huda says, then you've got a problem. The Kohanim are going to have to remove the ash on the Thursday. They're not going to be able to purify the utensils. They're going to be busy on Friday as well. And therefore, the purification of the utensils is deferred until Sunday. 
The Gemara moves on to another Mishnah. The Mishnah says, How do they remove the vessels for the purification of the courtyard? Which utensils, which vessels are affected? So the Mishnah says they immerse the vessels that were in the temple over the festival. And through the festival, they say to those Kohanim who are Amei Oretz, Take care, be careful, that you don't touch the Shulchan. The Shulchan means the table. The table cannot be immersed after the festival. And therefore, during the festival, they were warned the Amei Oretz, Don't touch the Shulchan, because we're not going to be able to purify it if you render it impure by touching it. So the shulchan, the table, just a bit of background, was located in the heichal, the holy. And every Shabbos that Gohanim would arrange on the shulchan 12 loaves, known as the lechem upon him. And the table has a pasuk written about it. The pasuk says, V'nasata ala shulchan, you shall place on the shulchan lechem panim lefanai tamid. This lechem upon him bread before me continuously. Tamid, continuously. So the word continuously, Tamid, teaches us that the table with all the panim bread cannot be moved. It shouldn't be moved. It should remain constantly Tamid in its place. And since therefore it cannot be taken away for immersion because it has to remain in its place. So therefore it's vital that it remain uncontaminated. So they warned the Kohanim who were Ameoretz not to touch it. Now the truth is we do actually immerse the Shulchan if it becomes Tamid on a biblical level, just not on a rabbinic level. The Mishnah continues, All the utensils that were in the base of Migdash had second and third replacement sets. They had backup sets for all the utensils. So if the first ones become Tomei, they would bring the second ones in their place to use until the first ones were purified. All the utensils that were in the base of Migdash require immersion after the festival. Except for certain utensils. So we mentioned already the Shulchan will have trouble moving it, but also except for the golden altar and the copper altar. What are these altars? So the golden altar, the Mizbah Hazav, was located inside the Heichal and was used to burn the daily Kotores, the incense offering. It was built out of a wood called Shittim and it was plated with gold. The copper altar was located in the courtyard. It was on that altar that sacrifices were burned and sacrificial blood was thrown. And it was also built with wood, shittim wood, and was plated with copper. So the Mishnah says, all the utensils in the Beis Amikdash, except for the golden altar and the copper altar, can be purified. Why can they not be purified, those altars? Because they're like earth. In other words, the Torah refers to the copper altar as an altar of earth, Mizbach Adama, and compares the golden altar to the copper one. So just like earth doesn't acquire Tumah, so too the altars don't acquire Tumah at all. They don't need to be purified. Divra Beleza, that's the position of Rabbi while the rabbis say, no, it's not because they're compared to earth, but rather it's because they are plated. And the Gemara is going to explain what the relevance is of these altars being plated. 
The Gemara now elaborates on something that we just learned in the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, we learned that the Kohanim who were Ameh Aretz, and therefore ritually impure, would be warned not to touch the Shulchan during the festival. Why? Because as we explained, the Shulchan cannot be purified because we're not able to move it. If we can't move it, we can't purify it. So the Gemara now brings a brisa that teaches that this warning was also issued about another of the utensils in the Beis HaMikdash. Tana, it was taught in a brisa, Hizaru shematigu bashulchan uva They would say, take care in case you touch the shulchan, the table, or the menorah. The menorah also can't be immersed after the festival, and therefore the Ameoret shouldn't come into contact with that either. The Gemara asks, for Tana Didon, my Tana Why didn't our Tana, our author of Amishnah, why didn't he quote the menorah as well? Why did he only talk about the Shulchan? So the Gemara explains, Shulchan Ksiv Tomit. Regarding the table, the Torah explicitly says, Tomit, as we quoted the Pasuk earlier, that it had to be placed there continuously, all the time. Menorah looks if but the the menorah, the Torah doesn't say Tomid about the menorah. And therefore the author of our Mishnah holds that the menorah can actually be moved from its place and can be immersed and therefore there's no reason to warn the Ameoretz against touching it. Ve'idach, but the other Tana, the other, the Brysa, the author of the Brysa holds, no, it has to be the menorah also shouldn't be touched. Why? Since the Torah says that the menorah should be opposite the table, so it's as if the Torah wrote about the menorah also, Tomid, it should always be there because it's, it needs to be opposite the table. If it needs to be opposite the table, then it surely has to be opposite the table all the time that the table is there. So the menorah has to remain constantly opposite the table. Just like the table can't be moved, so too the menorah can't be moved. Ve'idach, and what about the author of our Mishnah? Why doesn't he consider that uh, a proof that the menorah can't be moved? He says that pasuk that says the menorah has to be opposite the shulchan is just telling you where the menorah has to be. It doesn't mean it has to be there all the time. It just means that's its placement in the base of Mikdash. And therefore, he doesn't consider the menorah to be a problem for the Amayarats to touch it because it can be purified. We're going to hold it here today. I wish you all a very good day.